Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. This evening, I'm going to talk on five kinds of people that pray. Amen. Not the five kinds of people that pray, so it's without the the, because I'm not talking about, you know, all the different kinds of people that pray, but I want to talk about five kinds of people. So this isn't an exhaustive list, but just my own list of five people that pray. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 5 verse 17, it says, confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. Let's bow down our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus We thank you for another opportunity to receive your word today. Let your word bring transformation in the name of Jesus. Let it bring about a refreshing in our hearts and in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, our key scripture, James 5, 17, talks about, tells us about Elijah. He said that he was a man just like ours was a man with a nature like ours, but he was a praying man. And then another part of that scripture that I really love is the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. The Amplified Version says that it makes tremendous power available. Now, I was going to go into more about that word avail, but I'll move quickly because of the short time I have. You know, um, like I said, I want to talk about five kinds of people that pray. And I hope that you are one of them, at least one of them. Amen? I hope that you fall into one of these categories at least. Or maybe all. So I'm going to be talking about the humble person, the humble person prays. The person, number two, the person who cares about things around them, people around them. Places around them, praise. The third kind of person that prays that I'm talking about this evening is the one who believes the promises of God and believes that things can be better or that God can do more. The fourth kind of person is the visionary, the visionary praise. And finally is the one who cares about what's on God's heart. The humble man, the humble man prays. The Bible says in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, 1 Peter 5, 7, 1 Peter 5, 7, says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. First Peter 5, to 7, 6 to 7, I'm sorry. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care, Upon him, for he cares for you. The humble man prays. Praying is a sign of humility. The man who knows that he hasn't gotten everything will pray. 
the man who humbles themselves under the knowledge of God, under the ability of God, under God's sovereignty praise. You see, right after First um, Peter talks about humbling yourself, it goes on to talk about casting your cares upon him. You see, when we, ca- when we hold on to cares, when we hold on to anxiety, when you are up at night worrying, you may feel like you are being responsible, but what you are actually doing is acting in pride. You know, Kenneth Copeland shared a story many years ago that stuck with me. He said if you are looking for something in a file cabinet, and you start from A, you look, 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 look from here, you go all the way to Z, you don't find it. And you decide, oh, okay, let me go the other way. Then you start from Z, you look all the way to A, you still don't find it. And then you decide to dump all the contents of the file cabinet on the floor and begin to flip through page by page, you still don't find it. He said, hello, it is not there. You see, sometimes we worry, we are anxious, we have anxiety about our lives, we think, 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 and then we think again. We think from A to Z, we think from Z to A, we still can't figure it out. It is not there. It means that it's not in you, and you need to humble yourself and pray. The humble man prays. First Peter 5, 6 to 7 in the Amplified says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, It says, therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. The, the proud man holds on to everything like he can change his own life. But the humble man comes before God helplessly. Like, if you don't help me, I'm done, Lord. If you don't help me concerning my marriage, I'm done. If you don't help me concerning my business, I'm done for. If you don't help me concerning my ministry, I'm done. If you don't help me concerning my finances, I'm done. I don't take... Um, my confidence in the things I can copy, the principles I can follow, I humble myself before you. I Therefore, I pray. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 7, it says, Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind, and mind. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know recognize and acknowledge him and he will direct and make straight and plain your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Reverently fear and worship the Lord and turn entirely away from evil. So the humble man prays, says acknowledge him in all your ways. When he says all, he means all. You know, sometimes you may know everything. You may know, okay, I know. You know what? It's a piece of cake. This is an easy one. I've decided this is what I'm going to do. I know how this works. I know what to do. I know how to carry it out. But even in those areas where you feel you know, he says to acknowledge him, just in case you don't know. Amen. Just in case what, I'm, what I know is wrong in this situation. You know, just in case what I've learned all my life about parenting is wrong. Just in case what I think is right is actually wrong, I'm going to acknowledge him. You know, acknowledging him is so simple. It's just coming before him in humility. Lord, I think this is it. My mind is telling me this, but I acknowledge you in it. I acknowledge you. Acknowledging 
him is actually, you know, recognizing the fact that he's there. You know, it's very sad that many believers go about their lives and it's as if God isn't there. I used this analogy a few weeks ago in my church in Chicago, Kingsville, Chicago. I said it's like I, if I were to visit one of the young couples in my church on a Saturday morning and knock on the door and say, hello, surprise, I'm here to see you. And they kind of say, oh, Pastor, me, okay, come in. And then they tell me to sit on a chair, on a seat, on a sofa, whatever. And then they go about their normal Saturday routine. You know, they are going about, okay, it's cleaning, it's this, it's that. Or even they start to do some PDA. I have to tell them, please, I'm here. Take it to the room. Amen. You know, and I sit there for five hours and they go about their business like I'm not there. I said, that would be rude, very rude. Men tell us to go about our life very, very rude where God is concerned, not acknowledging him. I was just acknowledge him in all your ways. Don't be wise in your own sight. You know, wisdom in our own sight is pride. So the humble man prays, the first person, the kind of person that prays. The second one is the one who cares about people and things around them. Bible talks about praying for one another, caring enough about people to pray for them. You know, several years ago, when I was a consultant um, in the U.S., I was a, um, a consultant in data analytics, business intelligence, and um, I remember a particular company I was consulting for, and I would go in, I was there for a few months, for quite a while, I would go in, and for some reason, the morning before, you know, in preparing for work, the guard at that place, the security guard, would come to my heart, and I would pray for him. And then when I pull into work, I'm like, isn't Christianity interesting? That it's only in Christianity that you'll be praying for a security guard who has no idea you are praying for him. I said, if I was to walk to this and tell him I'm praying for him, he would look at me like, why? I don't know you. I don't, you, I'm not your relative. You are not my relative. Why are you praying for me? Just because the person who cares for other people prays for people. The second category of people that pray are people who care about people. You know, sometimes someone is going through something around you and it's not so much the words you speak that they need, but a prayer from you. It's not so much about, you know, the advice you give, but praying for them. Caring enough to pray for people. You know, in my office in church in Chicago, I, my office overlooks the parking lot. And so in the morning, sometimes on Sunday, as people are coming into church, I can see them, you know. Sometimes I see people, they are late and they are still gisting. And then so I'll, call, I'll call them on my phone. And then they'll be wondering where I'm calling from. Like you are standing there talking to both of you, you know. Anyway, but sometimes as people would come in, I would see a certain person maybe, and their head would be down, right? They would look a certain way. They wouldn't look like themselves. They would look like downcast. 
I know that by the time that person goes to the front of the church and comes in, they'll put on the church face, right? They'll be smiling. They'll look the way you expect them to look. But in that moment, I know they are going through something. So I pray for them. Amen? They don't even need to know that I see them. But I pray for them. The person who cares about people prays. You know, we're so caught up in what we need, what we want, what we want God to do in our lives, that we forget that we're also called to the ministry of intercession, praying for other people. In fact, if you would make it a habit to pray for people, you wouldn't be so depressed about your own situation. Amen? And you don't need a group of people to pray for somebody. In fact, every time you come to church, you can find a prayer project for yourself. Amen. You can find, the person even doesn't need to know you. You can find a prayer project. And then when people are going through things, you can pray for them. And it doesn't take a group to pray for people. Because sometimes when we get together in group to pray for people, we turn it into a gossip fest. Amen. You may be the one who noticed, didn't you see that? Um, so, so, and so looked downcast today. Oh, yes, they did. You know what is going on in their lives? Oh, wow. Ah, be praying for them. But we just got some kind of relief out of that gossip. Amen. You don't need to share everything with everyone to pray for people. The person who cares about people, the person who cares about places, things around them, what's going on here, what's going on there, praise the person who cares about the affairs of their nation prays. And it doesn't even have to be because you have a direct instruction. Just because there's a burden on your heart for more than what concerns you, you pray. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, verse 122, verse 6 to 9, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek, inquire for, and require your good. People who care about people, who care about things around them, don't let things just fall to the ground. Just let things just happen, but they pray. Amen. The third kind of person that prays is the one who believes the promises of God and believes that things can be better or that God can do more. The one who believes in the word does not just take things the way they are. They know that they have the weapon of prayer. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 to 19, in the Amplified, it says, Truly I tell you, Whatever you forbid and declare to be improper or lawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. You know, some of us things are going on in our lives. We complain, we, we, we cry, we grumble, we feel sorry for ourselves. But we forget that we have the authority, and we've heard that a few times today already. Even almost everyone that has spoken today has spoken about that part of prayer. Where you take up your dominion and take up your authority and say that if it's not permitted in heaven, it's not permitted in my life. It's also called the prayer of faith. 
The person who believes God's promises will pray the prayer of faith and will insist on that until circumstances change, until situations change, I will not relent. I will not let the devil cause havoc in my life continually and get away with certain things. Continuing in that scripture, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, again I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whether, whatever, anything and everything they may ask, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. Matthew, Mark chapter 11, verse 23 to 24 says, Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted you, and you will get it. How many times do we allow things in our lives that the word categorically speaks against? That the word shows us a different picture about what God's will is, and we just let it pass, we let it be. How many times do we act chicken? I'll borrow that from Mrs. Ibuko Awosika. How many times do we act chicken in the face of situations and trials and temptations? And just let it be because we can manage it. Because it hasn't killed you yet. So you, eh, it's okay. As long as I can get up and face another day. Amen. There are impish devils that are dealing with our lives and we let them be. And we act like we don't believe God's promises. The one who believes the promises of God and the fact that God can do more praise. Amen. The one who sees God's word for what it is, loaded with power and authority, will put that authority in their mouth and speak with that authority of the word. And that's prayer. You know, there are different kinds of prayer. And this... Um, teaching, actually I could have titled different kinds of prayer because what we are really talking about are uh, different kinds of prayer really. The first one I talked about was the prayer of committal, casting of cares, right? Casting of cares. The second one was intercession. But this one is the prayer of faith. So the other ones, you know, the first one, yes, it shows you are humble. Uh, it affects your life. It shows you are humble. The second one is for other people. But this prayer of faith is actually for you. It's the way we are supposed to deal with stuff. Amen? We're supposed to deal with stuff from the position of believing God's word. In fact, sometimes before you have seen, gone to check God's promises concerning the situation, you know, you may not want to actually pray yet. You can pray in the spirit, you can pray generally. But you take God's word, put it in your heart, and believe what God's word has said. And we use it to change situations through prayer. And it's so easy to do. Amen. It's so easy to do your part. Now, standing in patience through the, pro through the process, maybe it will, it, will, it, will, it will task your flesh. But really reorientating your mind from the person, the believer, that allows things to be unchallenged in their lives, to that believer who is going to take God's word and hold God's word as the standard of what their life needs to look like, it doesn't have to be a hard process to start. Amen. I want to encourage somebody who isn't used to that to start by meditating on scriptures. Find a scripture that speaks to what you are looking at that's looking one kind. Amen. 
things that you have been putting up with for a, for a bit, for a while. Go ahead and do the hard work of looking for scriptures on that matter. You see, you may sit there and wait until somebody, a minister, declares your issue from the pulpit. And you wait and wait and wait. And, you know, just waiting until there's a stirring of the water so that you can jump in. But you know what? You can take authority. You can take control over the process. We have the word. Amen. The word in our hearts, the word in our mouth, the word of faith which we speak. So the person who believes the promises of God and believes that God can do more praise. In the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. 1 John 5, 14 to 15. Thank you. In the Amplified, it says, and this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he listens to and hears us. And if we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know that we have granted us as our present possessions the request made of, of him. Ephesians 3.20 says, now unto him who is able, who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work in, within us, is able to carry, do super abundantly, far above, over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Number four type of person that prays is the visionary. The visionary is able to see what isn't what everyone else cannot see yet. Amen. Before this, amen, before the legislation became a reality and the landmark center, there was a visionary who saw it. Someone caught a glimpse and felt that we can do it. Amen. Pastor Shola saw it. He saw it. Man, we've, we've not done... I mean, since the beginning of next conference, we've never done anything at this level of this magnitude before. Well, it started as a vision. But when you have a vision, you don't, you don't then try to accomplish it in your human mind. You go to pray. People around you may not see it. Nobody else may see it. You know? It's just something, a possibility you see. People who are visionaries pray a lot. Because visions are birthed in prayer. The fact that God showed you a picture doesn't mean that it's going to come to pass. There are so many obstacles that you are going to face on the way to making that a, a reality. Anyone who is a visionary, who wants to actually see that visionary, that vision, who wants that vision to see the light of day, needs to pray. Lots of prayer. Amen. If you have a vision, you need to learn how to pray. And how do you pray? Mostly in tongues. Because there are so many parameters to, those, to that vision that you probably don't know or understand. And Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 to 12. This is a long one, so stay with me. It says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. 
the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for they known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor hear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. If you have not seen it, not heard it, it's not entered into your, the heart of man. Men don't, have not seen it. Nobody, you can't go to anybody and share with them. They'll be like, ah, I see what you are saying. They'll probably say, you are crazy. How are you then going to pray about it? That's why we pray about it. In, we pray it out in mystery. It says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Here's the th deep things of God. That's what's happening when we are praying in other tongues. Spirit is searching. And he's searching and he's praying out specifics. You know, he's helping us to pray out specifics concerning the accomplishment of that vision. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. When God shows you a vision, that vision is a possibility. It's a possibility of territories that have been given to you by God. It's a possibility of things that have been given to you by God. And to show that you believe in that vision, you need to pray. You know, what people do, the mistake people make a lot of times, God shows them a vision and then they start to put pressure on people. You know, either because they need support or they even need people to believe them. You know. Oh, I share the vision with my husband. He doesn't believe. He doesn't even take it seriously. Go and pray. Go and pray. Oh, I share the vision with my wife. How we're going to take, you know, um, let's see. How we're going to take Senegal for Jesus. And she just, she just looked at me and said, look, we need money for diapers. Doesn't even believe me. Go and pray. We put pressures on people when we have a vision. But visionaries pray. They pray a lot. They pray a lot in the spirit, especially because we don't know the specifics concerning those things. We don't know how it's going to come to pass. That's why many people don't believe it. That's why people let visions go all the time. You know, they just don't see how it's going to come to pass. You are not supposed to understand how it's supposed to come to pass because a vision, a vision is big. A vision will always be bigger than where you are at today. And it takes prayer to birth it. Before you go and write business plan, before you go and write business proposal, before you get too much into the natural, go and pray. And when you start to put natural legs, feet to that vision, continue to pray. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, somebody approached me with a, with a proposal. You know, we talked about it and we talked about it being a vision, a big vision. And, you know, one of the things I told them is that I'm very excited about this and you can count on me. I'm going to be praying about this. And the more I've prayed about it, there are things that I've seen already and more that I will see. It has nothing to do with church. It has nothing to do with ministry. Amen? Because prayer is not just about it's not just for doing ministerial things. Prayer is supposed to accomplish great things. 
even in our mountains of influence. Amen. The visionary praise. Finally, and I'm glad I'm doing great with time here. The fifth type of kind of person who prays is the one who cares about what, what is on God's heart. Now, I talked about the one who cares about people and about things around them. But this fifth category is about it's somebody, it's about somebody who cares about what's on God's heart. What's on the Father's heart. You know, in the book of Daniel chapter 9 verse 2, the Bible says that in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that it would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Now Daniel was reading book, the books and he came across the prophecies of Jeremiah, which he gave before Jerusalem went into captivity. And Jerusalem was um, captured by Babylon. And Jerusalem was in captivity, and it had been seven years. But in that prophecy, it said that at the, 70 years, at the end of 70 years, God was going to deliver Jerusalem. But it hadn't happened. So when Daniel saw this, he didn't say it's God after all. Oh, I guess he's late and go about his business. No, when Daniel saw it, he saw that that was God's desire. He saw that that was what God wanted. And what did he say, do? He said, he went before, I went before God. I set my face, face towards the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I knew this was what God wanted. So I went to pray for it to come to pass. You know, many years ago when I was a girl, when I was a young girl, um, my father then, my father was, uh, he had a civil engineering consulting firm in Ibado, Intercon Partnership. And every once in a while, my mother would come tap me. The number of times I was sleeping, she would wake me up. She would say, pray for daddy, pray for daddy, you know. Because sometimes they would do, um, they would do all kinds of contracts all over, projects all over the country. But especially when they did governmental projects, then they wouldn't pay them, right? So pray for daddy. Also, pray for intercom partnership, you know, pray. She wouldn't tell me specifically, then I would be panicking. Ah, oh my God, you know, what's going on? To pray. Because probably during those times, maybe they were waiting to get paid, something was going on with the project or whatever. But she'd tell me, pray for daddy for his work, for projects. I didn't fully understand many times what was going on. But what kind of child would I be to hear that and to just go about my business? Will it affect, I mean, in my little mind, like, will it affect the food that we eat today? No. Will it affect me going to school today? Probably not. Eventually, it would have, but I wouldn't have understood. Okay, so what's my business? And then go up. What kind of child would I be to act that way? There are things on the heart of the Father. There are things on the heart of God. How many times do we take time to pray about what's on God's heart? We are very easy. We pray about our needs all the time. We ask God for our needs. He never shuts the door. No? He never says he's tired. He keeps, you know, he's a faithful God. But how many times do we pray about what's on God's heart? The one who cares about what's on God's heart prays. 
you know, um, it will be 28 years this year, this August, when I left Nigeria for the U.S. to go to school. And um, when I got there, there was a church that I was introduced to. I was introduced to a few churches, but then I found this church, and I loved it. I mean, they preached things I understood and I flowed with, you know, my Kenetagin background and all that. And maybe we are just about five African students that attended that church at that time. This was many years ago. So the other African students that went, they didn't come for midweek service as such. For me, I was coming with the fire from Ife. So every time the church was open, Bible study. And the Lord placed it on my heart to come an hour before and pray. You know, just come. There was another, there was a Caucasian guy. His name is Jeff. I've not lost touch with him. I've not, uh, we've not communicated many, many, many years. But Jeff was a new Christian as, then. I said, Jeff, God is telling me, putting something on my heart about prayer, you know, to pray for the students at OU and pray for Riverside Church. So Jeff, like, okay, you know, so we would pray, we would pray, you know, I'd have my head on the carpet, pray, pray, pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit every Wednesday. You know, many years later when I'd graduated from the school, probably about four or five years later, I was so pleased. I'm not saying I'm the only one God used in this. He must have put it on many other people's hearts. But I was so pleased where that church, Riverside, became a de facto church, de facto church for almost all the African students that went through the school, right? Like, it was like a revival. But I believe it was something on God's heart. And he just kind of whispered it to me. Will you pray? If I hadn't prayed, maybe we would have found somebody else. But there are things on the heart of God. I remember that then my husband and I, Dr. K and I, would go and, and do revivals like twice in a year, one a semester. I mean, God touched people's lives. But I know that God told me to pray. I didn't know what he was trying to do. You know, the person who cares about what's going on in God's heart does not need to be holding the mic to be effective in the kingdom. You know, um, Pastor Bojuelia Hunt today talked about um, a teacher that led his students to Christ. And most of those, a lot of those students became prominent preachers. That when we get to heaven, we'll be surprised at how heavy a reward for a teacher like that is. I'll leave us with a story of a man that um, was called Father Nash. Now, we, we may have heard of him, we probably have, but we have definitely heard of Charles G. Finney. Okay, maybe not. Um, Charles G. Finney was a very, uh, was a revivalist in the 19th century that God used for such great miracles, meetings, and conversion, salvation of so many souls in the northeastern part of America, New York area, especially in the 19th century, you know, we held, there, were, there, there was a meeting where 100,000 souls were recorded under Charles G. Finney's ministry. People know of, knew of Charles G. Finney. A man that people didn't really know much about until he died was a man called Nash. They called him Father Nash. And Father Nash would go two weeks, many times two weeks before Charles G. Finney was going to come through a town for a meeting. And he would just ask for somebody's house. 
and asked for a basement. He often had a companion. Um, I forget his name. I think his name was Carly or something like that. And just two of them, they'll be in the basement praying, 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 praying ahead of Charles G. Finney's meetings. And Charles G. Finney, the fiery man of God, will roll into town two weeks later, have a revival. Even while the meeting was going on, Father Nash would not be seen in the meeting. Before the meeting, he would be praying for, you know, for a revival, for what God was go wanted to do. During the meeting, he would be praying for the meeting throughout the time the meeting was going on. You know? And people didn't know him, you know. People didn't know much about him, but Charles Giffini knew him. You know, it's recorded that shortly after Father Nash died, Charles Giffini stopped having revivals. He went into pastoral ministry. Why? Because a man that people did not know about, his prayer actually was a bedrock for that ministry. Now when we get to heaven, amen, when we get to heaven, <laughs> when a person like Charles Giffen is being rewarded, you know, what do you think will happen to a Father Nash? There are so many people that have been called to certain ministries that are behind the scenes, especially the ministry of prayer, that don't realize out of need they are meeting in the heart of God by that ministry. We need to care about what's on the heart of the Father. Now, by the time you consider these five um, kinds of people that pray, or let me say the five kinds of situations that we need to be praying um, during, you realize that we should be doing a lot of prayer and you can do a lot of prayer because either you are praying because you are a humble person who cannot handle their life by themselves, or you are praying because you care about people, genuinely care about people and things that happen around you. Or you pray because you need to change situations that don't align with God's word. Or because you are a visionary. Or because you are praying out what's on the heart of the Father. There's always room for prayer. The theme of our conference is legislation. We cannot legislate without prayer. Without prayer, there's no legislating. Legislating is not something we do in the natural. I started the message with Elijah. Elijah could walk into the king's palace and say, there's not going to be any rain. And then he went to pray. Who was ruling, really? Amen. And he said that there will be rain. And he went to pray. You can affect things in your office. They may not even know. Because you're a person devoted to prayer. And you know that with prayer, you can avail much. Please rise up to your feet, everyone. And I want you to commit yourself to prayer. Now, I'm going to hand over the mic to Pastor Shaw. While he's coming up, I want you to dedicate yourself again. Maybe right now your prayer life is maybe not ex non-existent. I want you to commit yourself to being a person of prayer. Amen. <laughs>